Welcome back to the Texan Abroad. Uh, last week's podcast was a success, doing it via Zoom with a good friend of mine in the UK. So I'm doing it yet again with another friend of mine, even yet further away. Um, guy that many of you from Moscow know, that maybe those of you in the US know as uh, Jeff Exotic, the other uh, Tiger King of Oklahoma. At least that's what he looks like these days with your fashionable mustache. I'll have to post a picture of you as well, because that is a phenomenal thing growing on your face, my friend. Um, so here we are to uh, talk a little bit uh, about life, expat life, life back in Chicago where he's living now, sports, which is probably his favorite thing, or at least one of them, uh, and hopefully he can explain why he looks like Pablo Escobar. So, uh, Jeff, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, I guess the first question I had for you is, uh, yeah, How's life back stateside? Uh, how, you were in Moscow for what, nine years, 10 years? Well, uh, <clears throat> uh, first, uh, thanks for having me on, Bill. Uh, you know, as uh, you know, we've been friends for four or five years now, and you, know, you, you had the unfortunate experience of living with me for a year, uh, you know, and you saw me in probably some of my finer moments. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, so I, I lived in Moscow for 10 years, um, like right at 10 years. Um, nice. Maybe like a month or two over, but yeah. Uh, I moved to Moscow in August 2009, and I left at the end of October 2019. And what, so after more than a decade or right at a decade abroad, what's it like being, you know, I always get that question from obviously my family, but even other people. Uh, when I go back is when are you going to come back? What's going to draw you back? And uh, we don't, you're welcome to get into what brought you back, but I'm just kind of more curious sure. what the transition itself was like. Um, you know, uh, did it take readjusting or anything along those lines? Well, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's been an interesting transition back. I mean, I, I think that, you know, given the sort of, extenuating circumstances and you know the sort of global pandemic has sort of delayed I, I guess like what I'd like to feel is like my sort of integration back into the states um, so when I when I moved back at the end of October I moved to Oklahoma um, and I was living with my mom like George Costanza um, you know you know also a good reference yeah, yeah you know middle age living with my mom um but it, like i i didn't i was open to living in tulsa um if i had found a job there but i was looking for jobs in chicago houston wichita uh, birmingham alabama um, i was applying for jobs back in moscow um and just like places um, that i had some sort of connection to and so you know, living with my mom, like it, it just felt like more that I was in sort of like a holding pattern that yeah. I, uh, you know, living with my mom was, was great. And that was very kind of her to, to let me, you know, live with her. And it was great seeing my, my sisters and, uh, and their family that were, that are still in Tulsa. Um, and it was, a, you know, nice, I guess, like to sort of like regroup there but it just, it felt like it wasn't permanent. Um, 
and then so I was I was lucky enough to find a job um, here in Chicago, and I moved up here the day that the shelter in place was announced by the governor. <laughs> um, and then so the next day, like I, I went into work. Um, you know, I couldn't move into my place right away because there were, the previous tenant was still here. So my my sister and brother-in-law who have a place here in Chicago uh, were kind enough to let me uh, stay at their place while they were back in Oklahoma. Uh, and that was just, that was for, you know, a couple of weeks. And, um, but I went into work on March 16th, which was a Monday and, you know, the, the office was empty uh, already. Like, I mean, people had started like sort of taking, you know, uh, following suit, like, you know, with the order. And, um, so I went in, I collected my laptop and then, yeah, I, I'd been, I've been working remotely ever since. Um, and a then, strange transition. Yeah. And then, so, and then I moved into my place and, you know, getting settled has been a little more sort of difficult than I had anticipated just just because of like small sort of snafus like you know the the bed the bed frame like you know not working uh you know my my couch not arriving or like having a broken television and so uh, but that and those are all sort of small but like in the but it plays into like sort of like well you know, I can't like really like be out exploring the city or exploring the neighborhood because all restaurants and bars are locked down. Um, right. And, and I haven't, I've only seen one friend uh, in person. And that was a couple weeks ago when the weather was nice. Um, I rode my, my motorcycle over there and said hi and, you know, added like a social distance, you know, like six feet. And, uh, <laughs> nice. So, it, so it, it, I mean, I've met like a few neighbors and, and it's been nice, but it's been, there hasn't really been this like feeling of being sort of integrated yet into life in Chicago. And so it's, it's, it is, I guess like that holding pattern is still sort of continuing. Present. Yeah. You haven't gotten that sense of, hey, I've finally got a, a life here. I've got friends here. I've got a job and, you know, like all of these other aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Like I still don't feel settled yet. Basically. Yeah. No, I, I think that's probably understandable uh, in terms of uh, the situation that's going on. Um, when you, but what about when you were back to, when you're back in Oklahoma, because you, you, you were there for what, three or four months, five months? Yeah, months? so. Uh, <laughs> five months, yeah, five months. Uh, I mean, is, how did it feel getting back to the States? I mean, a lot of people think, I'm always baffled by, how difficult a lot of people think it is to live abroad. You know, when you say that you live in Moscow, uh, and I'm sure you got this in Oklahoma as well, in Kansas and wherever else you ran into old friends. Um, it was, wow, you live in Moscow. That's crazy. That's strange. That's very different. Um, but I, I've always thought that it's, it's kind of overblown how big of a deal it is living abroad. And in some ways, life is actually a little bit 
more simplistic maybe is the right word, but I'm not sure. Um, I mean, was there was there a difficulty adjusting to getting back to kind of, uh, you know, living in the country where you grew up? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't know if difficulty would be the right word to describe, but, you know, there's, there's a level of patience, uh, at least at least like for me that, that I need to like, sort of like stop and breathe and, you know, take a breath and just, you know, but maybe try and be more patient with people because generally speaking, at least in Oklahoma, um, and I can't really speak to Chicago that much. Um, but whenever I would tell people that like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm new to Tulsa. Okay. Where, uh, where'd you move from? Oh, I was living overseas. Oh, where were you living? Moscow. And usually that, that <laughs> and usually, I can imagine. and usually that reaction when that reaction, when that reaction was met with two different sort of reactions. And that was, Oh, or the reaction was like, oh, so are you like a communist? Or, uh, <laughs> and so it was, it was a complete like sort of lack of engagement or I'm going to engage, but with like the inaccurate stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's, uh, yes. Again, I think a lot of people, when you say that you live abroad, it might be one thing to a lot of people, especially Americans, if you say, oh, I live in London or I live in Sydney or, or something like that. But when you go outside of that kind of little comfort zone, maybe even Paris or, or Madrid or something, when yeah. you say Moscow, like, oh, what? You live where? Yeah. Um, and, but actually, I mean, life in Moscow, you know, I mean, you've been here for a long time. You were here for a long time. Uh, I think, again, it's, there's aspects to life here I always find a little bit more simple. Yeah, and, and maybe it's also because um, not being a citizen here, like some of the things that you think about when you're living in the country where you grew up, where you are a citizen, there are things that might, like the things that might bother me about Moscow, I'm like, oh, I can appreciate it because it's cold for cultural difference to a degree. Sure. But, you know, in the U.S., it might just make you mad, right? Yeah. Um, something like that. Um, but, yeah. Um, so nothing in terms, what about... Uh, we're kind of jumping around or jumping ahead a little bit. Is there anything you miss about Moscow? Like uh, now that you've been gone for a few months, uh, anything that kind of thinking back to your life here that you, whether it's the food, the people, I don't know, the lifestyle, something that you long for or kind of miss in some way? Um, I mean, you know, there, there are several things that, that I miss. Um, and I try to not think about it too much because otherwise I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go be crazy. Little, well, or I'll be, you know, a little sort of crestfallen, I guess. But yeah, um, you know, number one is definitely the, the people. Um, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to like, you know, become friends with some really wonderful people, expats, Russians, um, and just sort of the, the wide variety of, of experiences and viewpoints that that this sort of, you know, hodgepodge of characters brought to my life. Just, I, I feel like it, you know, they really enriched my life on a day-to-day -day basis, you know. 
Um, so that would be number one. Uh, number two would be, I mean, the food. I, I mean, I cannot tell you like how much like I wish I could eat hachapuri and hinkali and you know uh, some nice pelmini. Um, you know, I, I yeah, uh, and then just like you know, I mean, Russia and the U.S. are geographically like huge countries and you know with large populations. But I, I do find that, you know, Russians like have, a, you know, an entirely different perspective of the world than Americans do. Um, there is more of, and I think expats in Moscow, you know, also share this sort of viewpoint of like this sort of curiosity and of like the world around them. And, and, and I found that to be almost like you know, the sort of the most like difficult thing is that it, you know, here, like we talk about sports, we talk about the weather and that's, yeah, I mean, not everyone's, <laughs> I, 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 no. I, hate to, I hate to like cast like sort of a, a broad, you know, stroke with that statement, but I, I would generally say that's pretty accurate. Um, so. No, I think you're right. I think there's, there's, it's funny, like, thinking about the American lifestyle, and actually, I mean, one of the things we're going to talk about a lot tonight is sports, but thinking about, like, the American mindset, the, whether you're talking about travel or just, like, the common kind of frames of discussion, a lot of it is internal, right? Like, you, you know, there's so many great places to visit in the U.S. You travel kind of inside the U.S. mostly. Uh, maybe you're going to Canada or Mexico or the Caribbean, Europe, something like that. But most people travel inside. Most of their focus politically or, or any kind of intellectual thinking focuses on the inside. Whereas, as you said, a lot of Russians, and I think it's true of just a lot of other countries, you know, in Europe, they have a more global mindset in that, like, what's out there? What else is there to explore? Yeah. So... All right. Well, uh, well, and, and, and 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 I think it was just sort of fate that. I mean, I I, I don't know, I don't know how intentional it was. I mean, I, I definitely was looking for, you know, uh, apartments in the neighborhood where I'm living, which is Ukrainian village. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, actually. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, I know. No, I've I, seen I've seen some of the the. Um, the pictures that you've sent of different kind of Ukrainian places like that's yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I think there are a lot of cities in the U S that have those like little unique cultural aspects, right? Sure. Cause there's so many immigrants. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting that you've been able to find something there related to the place that you spend so much time. Well, and, and even, and even like beyond that, like, I mean, so, like I found that there there are large like sort of there's a large Serbian enclave and obviously like you know a really mm -hmm. large community here, um, and so like I mean assuming like we get you know through this pandemic and you know the the city and the state opens back up, I mean there's a, there are several like Serbian places that I want to try you know uh, I guess like all the good Russian restaurants are out in the suburbs. Um, and, really. Yeah, there, there there is a Georgian restaurant uh, about two miles from me, um, and 
last night, uh, you know, I, I probably had like an illegal date, um, which was just, <laughs> uh, we, she lives in my neighborhood and we went for a walk and this was our first date. And I mean, it was just an absolute horrible date. I mean, she was just the worst. And what, what, so we're going to get into what classifies as a bad sports fan in a little bit. What classifies as a bad date? The, uh, for me, the inability to listen, like, and just, so she was a talker. No, I mean, she wasn't like a talker who was like really saying anything interesting. She was just not like, like there were just like things that just did not register. Like, so mm. I went to Training Village and she lives in Wicker Park and they're next, they're neighboring neighborhoods. Uh, there's mm -hmm. open and so she was like, yeah, you know, let, let's meet. And I said, okay. Uh, like, well, what do you want to do? Like, you know, we can't really go anywhere. She's like, oh, we can like grab a drink. And I was like, well, no, we, we can't because there's <laughs> technically no, yeah, no, no, <laughs> no places are, are open. And um, so we, we met at like this, this intersection that's like, you know, a 10 minute walk from me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then and I had like walked up from the same way. I was like, Oh, do you live, you know, on Damon street? She was like, Oh no, I, I live, you know, in the opposite direction. I was like, Oh, then why'd you walk up from same direction? I came. She's like, Oh, well I drove over here. And I was like, Oh, was, well, how long of a walk was it? She's like, Oh, like 15 minutes. I was like, yeah, but it's really nice. And she was like, yeah, I just didn't want to walk. Like, okay. <laughs> um, and then I just said, okay, like, well, I need to run in uh, someplace and get some orange juice. She's like, oh, why? I was like, oh, just, I, I'm having a, a meeting with, uh, a morning meeting with uh, some friends back in Moscow. And I need orange juice for my, uh, for my cocktail. She's like, oh, are, are, do you drink mimosas? And I was like, no, it's uh, orange juice and beer with a shot of vodka in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She was like, okay, oh, well, that, 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 is it good? I was like, yeah, it's great. Um, and she said, uh, so why are you talking to your friends in Moscow? I was like, well, because friends. And I, and she's like, well, what, the first you, word. Well, then she said, well, why don't you make friends here? I was like, well, I already have friends here. It's like, but I'm not seeing them. And I still want to be friends with them. And I enjoy... <laughs> You know, conversation <laughs> and then so she was uh, like, oh, okay she was like that's weird i was like uh-huh and that's then, weird and then we um and then like we were walking past a couple places and she was like oh have you been here 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 and i was like well no like because i moved up the day that the, the quarantine started <laughs> like do you do you understand anything that i've said as a person yeah. In the last 10 minutes. And I had to repeat this like multiple times, but like the saving grace of the evening was that we managed to like find someplace. So, uh, you know, Chicago, the layout of Chicago is like, is, is pretty standard American. You know, it's, it's grid oriented, but there yeah. are, but there are, they have several like main streets that run diagonal and that basically run into the lake. And so they'll have these like 
intersections that are these six point intersections. And we came up to one and I was like, okay, let's just, you know, take a ride on this one street. Um, and we managed to find like a coffee shop that was open and, um, and walked in and, you know, we we're like, oh, you know, if we order coffee, can we like stay here, even though that's technically illegal? And they're like, yeah, sure. And, you know, heard some like accents that sounded Slavic. And then like the, the lady who owned it, I presume she was an elderly lady, um, was speaking to, I would assume it was like her sort of like handyman. And, and I, and it, and it wasn't Russian that was being spoken to, and it was either like Ukrainian or Polish. And so she, like this, this person that I was on a date with, like she was like yammering on about God knows what. And I just like stopped listening and because I was like trying to pick up like, you know, what, what language uh, those two people were speaking. These people were speaking. And then she said, are you, are you listening to me? And I was like, no, I, sorry. Like I, I'm more interested in figuring out what language they're speaking. <laughs> well, at least you were honest. Yeah. Well, and then, but, but like the, the girl who had actually like waited on us, I just said, Oh, you know, just out of curiosity, like, you know, where are you from? And she's like, Oh, I'm from, you know, a city in Russia, you know, close to the border of Ukraine. And, she and I started speaking in Russian for about like five minutes, and uh, so that was that was the highlight <laughs> of this date was speaking to. So the highlight of one of your first dates in uh, in uh, in Chicago was speaking Russian to a waitress uh, so that you could ignore the date but, you no, didn't it, enjoy. Not a waitress, more or less a a barista. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So good clarification, but yeah. All right. Interesting. Oh, well, so that kind of gets to the next question that I was kind of curious about, which is, so I talked with Hamish last week about what quarantine life is like in London. He's, he and his roommate go to the park. They, uh, you know, basically are allowed to go outside, go to the store, but even go running and exercise and whatnot, you know, here completely locked down. Sounds like Chicago's more like London, kind of able to move around a little bit, but be socially distant. Uh, you can get outside, etc. What's it like there? Well, so all parks, um, like so, the Lakeshore is completely closed down. Okay. Uh, parks are closed down, um, as far as I understand. I, I mean, I haven't tried to go to like Millennium Park or or Grand Park downtown. Yeah. But I, but I assume they're closed down as well. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't speak to that. But, I mean, like, you can go for a walk. You can go for a run. But starting yesterday, um, you cannot enter into any sort of liquor store, uh, mm. shop, weed dispensary, grocery store without a mask on. Um, ah, I, interesting. I, I tried to go into a, a liquor store to get a bottle of vodka for today, and the guy was just like, "Yeah, I can't let you in." Uh, then, <laughs> then I was, I was able to make my way into a Seven Eleven, and uh, when I was like waiting in line, she said, "Oh, we have to tell you that, like, yeah, starting tomorrow, like." 
we can't let you in unless you have some sort of like face covering. And I was like, well, I ordered a face mask and waiting for it to arrive. I was like, so can I just like tie a t-shirt around my face? Like, will that suffice? And she was like, yeah, but yeah, that's the face covered. So it sounds like they're being pretty strict on that. <laughs> All right. So they, that's a new kind of uh, regulation, so to speak. But otherwise, you've got some, you've got some movement. It's not like shelter-in-place kind of uh, pretty strict quarantine. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's very much like a shelter-in-place. I mean, like, you know, um, you know th- these, like, these two neighborhoods, Ukrainian Village and, like, Wicker Park, and they have a lot of bars, a lot of restaurants, and I mean, they're all. You know, I mean, you know, by seven or eight o'clock, I mean, it's a ghost town. It's like you know, Will Smith and I am legend. Um, <laughs> um, all right, yeah, okay. So yeah, everything's closed. Yeah, um, Every, yeah. everything's closed aside from liquor stores. Uh, like the two or three weed dispensaries that, that are that I've seen on, on like the north side of Chicago, uh, they're open, but they have like limited hours. Grocery stores, pharmacies, that kind of stuff. But uh, a lot of like bars and restaurants have takeout and delivery. But yeah, I mean you, you can't like socially congregate anywhere. Gotcha. Um, well. Let's uh, let's get to a I don't know if it's a brighter topic or not, but at least a um, a different topic, a different different kind of aspect to the quarantine. Uh, I mean, I, I gave you the question and I just kind of posed it to you. Do you do you miss sports as much as I do? I think you. I was talking with someone the other day about you and sports in particular. And uh, just because you're one of the bigger sports nuts that I know in terms of your encyclopedic knowledge, the fact that you follow lots of different sports, right, from everything from football to soccer to football and everything uh, pretty much in between. You've got, you know, loyal fandom to a lot of good teams, but... Um, are you missing sports like I am? I mean, I'm, I found myself literally up at 2 a.m. watching the NFL draft because that was the only thing I could hook up to my veins and soak up some sort of sports semblance. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I miss sports immensely. I mean, I, I've watched the Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl times. <laughs> um, I've watched a couple of old Kansas tournament games. Um, I didn't watch the draft just because, I mean, I generally don't watch the draft. Um, I'll follow it, but, you know, I've sort of taken a Dan Levitard view of of the draft. Uh, Yeah, no, I miss miss sports immensely. Like, I, you know, as a football or soccer, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Liverpool fan, and I'm, you know, selfishly, I want the Premier League to just say, you know, uh, can we curse on here? Sure. Just, How about it? Just say, fuck it. Disregard any sort of, like, 
public health so Liverpool can play two more games and win their first, you know, first division title in 30 years. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I mean, that, that, that's for just my own sort of personal gratification. But, I, you know, as you know, like, I can be very spiteful and – um, I, I, and I would like Liverpool to win to spite several people uh, that I know, you know, mainly Will Myers and John Mann. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, you said you've watched the Super Bowl uh, three times? Three times, yes. Yeah. So do you, do you get nervous when they get down in the beginning? Or, uh, I mean, knowing the result, do you still oh, yeah, get no, some jitters? No, I, I still have – there's still a level of anxiety. Yeah. Like when, when we were down 20 to 10 and Mahomes threw his second interception, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these fans like, you know, uh, some people that shall not be named uh, who blames the refs. I mean, I, I thought it was a very well-officiated game, but – yeah, I, I just I, – I still, like, found myself, like, you know, cursing like I have Tourette's. Uh, and, um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still very neurotic in, in watching that game. How, how was it, like, when you – I mean, I know you – so, for those who don't know, you've just said you're a, a Liverpool fan – You've you've got some different allegiances. Uh, you went to KU, so you're a huge Kansas basketball fan. Um, I know that uh, you're you have. Uh, let's see, I'm turning to obviously the Royals are a team that you root for. The Chiefs, I think. The, are, are they one of your most diehard fandoms? I mean, I mean, all all, all three are, are pretty equal. I mean, uh, the University of Kansas football team is so shitty and they've been so <laughs> that I mean you know like I would be happy if we won like four games next year like I mean you know I, I'm just a completely like defeated dog um, and so you know I, I take you know gratification in seeing like Alabama do well or um, yeah. University of Oklahoma I, I, you know, even though you like to think that I'm a bigger OU fan than I am, I, I'm really not. Uh, like, if OU loses to your alma mater, I am really not that bothered by it because I, I kind of like Texas. I like to see Texas do well because of like you and and some of our other friends like Andrew and Robin. Like, and Austin's just an, a fucking awesome city. It's one of the best cities in the United States. Yeah, for sure. So I, I don't I don't hate Texas like you know my like my sisters or you know my niece or nephew. Um, so yeah, I, I like to see Texas do well. Um, I mean, aside from like you know a, a couple of teams that I hate um, on a collegiate or professional level, and excluding like sort of my personal, you know. Who, who are those teams? Like, who are those teams that like, whether and, and why do you hate them? Are they like, so like for me, I, I'm obviously a huge Horns fan. 
Like, I don't like OU. I still try and be a pretty good sports fan in general. Um, but, like, part of that is because OU beat us pretty handedly multiple times when I, when I, was, when I was at Texas. Yes, but it was also the, also the fans themselves. So it was kind of like a combination of just the rivalry plus the fans, that kind of thing. What are those teams that you hate, and why is it that you hate them? Is it the fans, or is it just the, the rivalry itself? Well, it, it, you know, it's, I, I would say it's a combination of the, the, the fans and the institutions. Like, so Texas, like, I, you know, there, there can be obnoxious Texas fans. I've, there are plenty. I'm sure that there are. I mean, I, I can say that, you know, I mean, I, on a personal level, like, I can't think of any obnoxious Texas fans who I would call friends. Um, and so you couple that with the fact that the University of Texas is a great institution and Austin's an awesome city. So you have to like, if you look at it objectively, like Texas is pretty cool. Um, and there's a reason for that arrogance. And if, uh, and so that's why like Texas doesn't bother me. All right, uh, so what are the places that do bother you? Okay, so on a collegiate level, it would be the University of Missouri. Uh, I, even though, well, I, it was my, my nephew actually just texted me that Kansas and Missouri are resuming the, the rivalry, which I'm just like, you know what, fuck them. Uh, they left the conference. <laughs> they can, you know, lay waste and mediocrity for the rest of their existence. Fuck them. I, I don't care. Uh, so the university of Missouri, um, I've only met one Mizzou fan that I, one or two that I liked and that were really cool. The rest of them just suck. Just an inferior, an inferiority complex that is just only eclipsed by Oklahoma state university. I, I, at least, All right. at least, like from what I've heard, Columbia, Missouri is a nice and a fun town. Stillwater, Oklahoma, is, you know, it makes, Pripyat, you know, Chernobyl look like fucking paradise. That town sucks. In major college athletics, Oklahoma State is completely irrelevant, and I mean they just have a complex with everyone so yeah. uh, Auburn University they suck the town sucks the college is is, is a glorified junior college and probably the University of Tennessee and that's because of <laughs> Uh, yes. Well, he also might be, uh, for those who don't know, Mitch is a, a friend of ours from Moscow who I don't think is allowed to be on a podcast because he works for a financial institution here in Moscow. And, and there's some, I've asked him before and he said not, so he'll probably never get on here to defend himself. But yeah, he, he's probably one of the, actually, he might hate Tennessee as much as you do uh, from everything well, that I've ever talked to him about. Well, no, but he hates him out of like a place of like anguish like yeah 
I mean, like I did with, I mean, I have no spine. I readily admit that after the Chiefs lost the Titans um, two years ago in the playoffs, um, that that game where Marcus Mariota caught his own touchdown pass. And I mean, I, I, I just said like, I'm never watching them again. Fuck this team. They make me feel like shit. We'll never get over the hump. And then Patrick Mahomes started the next season and I held out for about like four or five games, like not watching. And then, I caved because I'm spineless. How do you how do you like that the the savior of your franchise is is uh, is a Lubbock guy? I mean, I mean, he's not from well, Lubbock. I, but. I, I also I also do I don't hate, but I just like Texas Tech and Texas A and M. Fair enough. You know, um, that that doesn't bother me. You know, it's it's I think it sort of fits in well with. Uh, Mahomes narrative that you know he was this uber talented high school prospect that wasn't getting you know looks from OU Texas LSU you know some of the other like big regional powerhouses and so he had to go to that fucking wasteland in West Texas I, you know, I I guarantee you he enjoyed his four years that's what I will say well, I, but, I, I have uh, no I have no doubt he enjoyed his four years. I mean, we, yeah. I mean, uh, we can enjoy our time anywhere we go, but it's just, would you, yeah. would you prefer Lubbock, which is a dry County and whose only claim to fame is Buddy Holly or Austin? I mean, like Norman's not a nice college town, but it's better. Yeah. I'd probably, I'd probably say, I'd probably agree with you there. Was that, do you think the Super Bowl this year, is that the best win of your sports fandom? Or is there another one that, uh, that somehow surpasses it? Uh, I mean, because you've got Kansas titles galore. I mean, bas- Kansas basketball. I'm not well, sure how many titles have they won in your, in your lifetime? In my lifetime, two. Okay. Um, we've won three tournament titles, and then we – or like Alabama and Notre Dame, and that we claim a couple of additional like irrelevant yeah. uh, titles, but only three. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess like for me, like the the run that the Chiefs had with being down every game, yeah, and coming back, whether or not that was, you know, the blitzkrieg that was launched against the Texans. Or, you know, just sort of inching our way back against the Titans. Or, you know, just like an onslaught against the 49ers, you know, within like the last like eight minutes of the game. I mean, that was just pretty cool to see. I mean, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, clearly – plays better like when he when he has a sense of urgency I, I think I mean he plays absolutely awesome. but the 2008 Kansas national title game against Memphis you know hitting a last second three-point shot to take it in overtime where you know we had been down by nine points with like two or three minutes left the dramatics of that was I mean that was just unreal that the Royals 
uh, you know, had that, that two-year run, which was, I mean, you know. That was a pretty crazy. impressive run. It, it was very impressive, but, but it was just so fleeting that yeah. like, we were shit before. We made the World Series two years in a row, won one of them, and then we've been shit since again. Like, it, it, it's just, it feels more like a blip. Yeah. Where, you know, the, you know, the, the Chiefs since, you know, the early 90s have generally been, like, pretty, like, consistently like, competitive. Kansas, yeah, for sure. Kansas basketball is blue blood. So. What about what Liverpool was doing this year? Uh, I mean, I mean that, they – I, I wouldn't say they faltered. They they what had did they did they actually record a loss before all of this thing went down? Or they, they did. Uh, they, yeah, they, they did record they, one loss. It, it was the second longest undefeated streak in uh, in Premier League history. Um, the only team that eclipsed it was the, uh, the Unbeatables with Arsenal in like two thousand two thousand one. Um, you know, so a loss like. It's fine. I mean, they, they were still on pace to set the, the points record and the earliest, like, claim to the title. Yeah. In, in, in the history of not just the Premier League, but the history of First Division, which predated the, the Premier League. Um, you know, Liverpool losing to Atletico Madrid in the round of 16, that was – Really frustrating because Liverpool played better, especially at Anfield. But just seeing like that incompetent dipshit backup goalkeeper, uh, Adrian or whatever the fuck his name is, you know, just cough up like two stupid goals. That was more annoying than anything. So not a lot of, I mean, I guess more Americans now are watching soccer or football, as most internationals call it, um, than before. But you've long, you've been a fan of Liverpool for a pretty long time. And I actually, I've enjoyed watching uh, football, watching soccer for the last 10 years, as I've kind of grown to be a bigger fan. What do you think, that's the, the next question, like, what do you think, you're a big baseball fan, college basketball, NFL, uh, EPL. Like, what is um, – what's the best sport in your mind to take uh, – to be a fan of? You know, I, I mean, I, I, I find I, – that's a really good question. I mean, for me personally, I probably get the most enjoyment and I don't get as worked up watching – soccer i i think because of the pace and you know there there is room for you know referee errors but a lot of times it just comes down to like the the judgment of like the referees um i i don't find it i, I don't find soccer or football to be near nearly as frustrating yeah um and yeah, I, I think that's because of the nature of the sport. Like, it's just, I find it much more soothing. And if, because, you know, a goal is harder to come by. And, sure. so, and so, whenever, you know, it's Spurs or 
Liverpool or Villa, like whenever you get over that hump and you're able to break through, you know, a skilled defense and get that one goal, like that the jubilation that you feel from that is, is, is unlike anything else, I, I think, in sports. So, I mean, in, in the time in between, you're watching just really good athletes you know, on a pace that you don't even have, I, I think, because of the length of the pitch versus like the basketball court or the hockey rink, you know, American football is so much like start, stop. I mean, not to, you know, diminish like their sort of athletic prowess, but just the, the flow of the, of the game with soccer, I, I generally just find much more relaxing and it's, and it's, a much more sort of like peaceful sort of fun experience. But then whenever it is you like the team that you support gets that goal, it's just like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. You just, it's kind of like it's baseball, like, cause baseball is a great game to go watch. Like when you're there, because you, you don't have to watch every moment of it. Right. And I feel like that, like when you're watching a, a soccer or football match, like you, you watch it, but you're also talking to your mates. You're, you're like enjoying the experience and there are exciting pushes, but then it kind of, okay, back and forth, back and forth. And it's kind of some combination of excitement and, you know, uh, constant action, right? But not, but not intense constant action, something like that. But I've even found like, I mean, you know, you look away like from watching, you know, um, a soccer game. I mean, you, you can miss like. Sure. I mean, like, and, and that, that's, you know, part of, part of it, that, that's incredible. No, I think that's true. Absolutely. Um, yeah. There's something about it that uh, it's appealing to me as a baseball and an American football fan as well. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's just let's jump to the next one, which is actually kind of an interesting question in general. Um, what do you think? I mean, your your sports knowledge, as I called it before, is pretty encyclopedic. Um, I you also have a lot of passion, but I think you have a healthy respect, as you've just said, for some teams that have kind of traditional greatness. Um, what do you think makes like a good and a bad sports fan? Um, and you can throw in there if you want as like a bonus, like what are some of the best or worst sports fan bases? Um, I mean, what makes, I, I consider you to be a pretty good sports fan. You like your teams with a lot of emotion, but you also know a lot about their history. You know a lot about what they've done. Um, so you're a good combination of kind of knowledge, passion, but respect for the competition. What do you think makes a good sports fan base or fan fan in general? I mean, you know, like in, in the, the heat of a, a game or whatever, you know, we're all going to be irrational if something doesn't go our, our team's way. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think what makes – a, a good sports fan is the ability to like 
separate themselves from necessarily the outcome if it was not a desirable outcome. And just say like, okay, yeah, it sucks. But, you know, we, we lost. We legitimately lost. Um, yeah, I, 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 would, I would just say the, the, uh, the ability to be sort of rational and separate yourself, to separate yourself, you know, yeah, and that's it, really. Um, no, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, of course, we can get lost in the moment. Like, I mean, um, it's funny. I, I still remember when Texas won the title in 05. Like, uh, I remember listening to the radio uh, or to the kind of audio stream when the Astros won the World Series and that kind of nonsense. Um, and I was absolutely like on fire, like how crazy I was. But I also understand it's it's a game, it's entertainment, um, and I think you're right. That kind of ability to have both the love and the passion and the enjoyment, but also to understand it's not a reason to to kind of get down in the mud and degrade other people, like um, de- degrade other people, and just and, and acknowledge like. Hey, my my team may not have played as well today and deserved to lose. Yeah, um, you know it's it's something that sucks to acknowledge, but I mean, no, and, I mean, it, yeah, it's difficult to say that your team's not having a good year, a good season, hell, a good decade, um, but it happens, right? Even to those kind of powerhouses. I mean, in, in terms of you know, good fan bases. Maybe, maybe I'm being a homer with this. Uh, I generally think that fan, like fans in the Midwest are better fans uh, in regards to being reasonable. Um, you know, the, the Texas fans that I met, like I would lump into that category, but you said that, you know, you have plenty of your sort of, psychos and delusional pricks i mean as every fan base does but you know i have been to a couple of chiefs vikings games for example and we like the vikings fans are like the nicest fans in the world and you know both games that i went to like the and they were separated by like 10 years the chiefs were not as good but one and, you know, you just have these Vikings fans. And, and, and I don't equate it to being, you know, Midwestern nice and polite. Because I, 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 I think that there is a difference between polite and friendly. If that makes yeah. Sense. No, that's true. There's, uh, well, I, I also think there's something about a fan base that has a history of greatness. Some of the best fans I've ever met were Nebraska football fans. And they, they have historically had a great deal of success. And I think that success didn't go to their head. They understand what it takes to be – I mean, when Ricky – I remember when Ricky Williams, when I was in school, and when Ricky ran over Nebraska, I had Nebraska people saying, like, that guy is amazing. He deserves the Heisman. Like – they recognize greatness and they don't, they don't feel so entitled to it. They don't let uh, the fact that they are used to it 
um, kind of well, color their vision with other play with other teams and other players and things like that. Well, I'm going to interject there and disagree with you on that mm. because they were nice and polite because that was a year or two after winning a national title. And after they had been curb stomping everyone in the 90s. That's true. And, you know, those fuckers would come to Lawrence and we finally beat them, I, I think, it was like my junior or senior year of college, like after the first time and not beating them for over 35 years. And those, I mean, not all, but a visible like portion of their fan base that came down. I mean, behaved very boorishly, very aggressive, not congratulatory. Yeah. Because, well, because they had fallen in stature. They had fallen in rhythm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I could be also looking at this like through not a completely like objective lens because a bunch of my good friends from college and into adulthood, like guys who live here in Chicago are all from Nebraska and we still, you know, you know, poke fun at each other. Um, but I mean, like they were all nice and their families were nice and their friends were nice who would come down to Lawrence. And it and it was always enjoyable, like you know, hanging out with them. But but there were several, you know, like a, a very visible portion of that fan base. Whenever we finally beat them, this is the University of Kansas football team. Yeah. No, and I I think the the truth is that most. I mean, look, fan comes from fanatic, and I think that's the difficulty in being a fan is somewhat balancing that act between the positive emotions you get from winning and how you treat the other teams and, and the other fans and that kind of thing. Um, I remember when we won, uh, when we beat USC and what I still think is one of the greatest college football games ever. Like maybe, I, maybe, maybe the greatest. I remember walking outside and, and of course I'm, it's colored by the fact that we won but, like, when I was outside, I, I was, like, going up to USC fans going, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, because the game, like, the highs, the lows, uh, you know, everything, back and forth. Reggie Bush, like, tossing the ball when he didn't have to. And then, you know, all of these different crazy things that happened. Like, the, there's so many different things that were just amazing about the game, the, the tailgate before. But, like... I would say about 60% of the fans were like, yeah, that was, it was an amazing thing to be a part of. But I also, I vividly remember one guy, we were walking through kind of like the, the golf course served as a tailgate. And so we're walking through all of these cars and I was just like, Hey man, just congrats. Like that was a, an amazing game. I know we won, but you guys are incredible. That was the best football game I've ever seen. Probably the best football game in the history of the game. And I'm dressed in my stupid, crazy velour jumpsuit. And the guy just kind of looks at me. Santa Claus? Yeah. And, and he looks at me, like, just kind of screams and turns around and punches the car window out. And, and like, do, doesn't say anything and just keeps, obviously not his car, just keeps walking. And I was like, okay, uh, I, was, I was trying to give you like a congratulations, like some sort of like 
not, not like a you know a, a consolation prize, but like, hey, I was not I was not being like, hey, we kicked your ass, right? I was like, hey, that was fabulous, right? Win or lose, that was a fabulous thing we just saw, right? That's why you play sports, and that guy was like, clearly, well, he's probably drunk as well, but still, uh, not the reaction I was expecting at all. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, I mean, in terms of fan bases. Is there one that you uh, think would be thing in New York fans in general? Because we're going to kind of uh, tinker our way into question nine, which is about the craft father. But like, is uh, there, is it New York fans? I know you're not, I know you're not a fan of Boston fans as well. Like what is the fan base? What are the fan bases that kind of uh, chap your hide, so to speak? Uh, I mean, so you know, the, the crack father, like for me, I mean, he like, you know, he, he is a diehard fan uh, and he's a very good New York fan. And, you know, for some fucking reason, he's a Michigan fan. Still don't get that one. Uh, you know, and, and he, the, the crack father can become irrational very quickly. And normally, in yeah. speaking, that kind of fan I just find to be like repellent. But with the craft father, um, I, 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 I never found that to be annoying. I find it to be humorous because, you know, the, the craft father was always has always made it a point to, even in spite of like me sort of like poking fun at him. He's always been supportive of, you know, my sort of allegiances. And it's like, you know, I want to see the Chiefs do well. I want to see the Jayhawks. Unless they're playing like his teams, of course. Um, and I just – and I always really appreciated that. So, therefore, you know, I, I would – I guess I would like to see the Giants do well. And, you know – and I don't hate the Yankees anymore. Uh, like, I, I used to despise yeah. them. But – and and even though you know the craft father can be a homer, uh, <laughs> that might be an understatement. But you know, but his his sort of a appreciation and desire to like see like me happy, like my you know love of like my sports teams, I I, I generally want to reciprocate that with him. And yeah, so I, I I so basically like for me that um that leaves Denver Broncos fans that, I mean, just across the board, I hate. And Boston fans. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I haven't come across like many Philly fans. You hear about how they behave and I just haven't had enough interaction with them. Uh, but no, Boston fans are by far the worst. That level yeah. of arrogance, entitlement, coupled with, you know, their sort of ignorance of everything. It's just, uh, he's just, you know, drives you to the point of suicide. If you're having a <laughs> No, I can understand that and probably agree to a decent extent. Yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, on like a national level, I generally, I like... I mean, 
you guys know how I've espoused like how much I hate Bill Simmons. And I hate him as a as a person and as a sports fan. I mean, I like a lot of the content, but he's just he, he's just sort of the embodiment of an arrogant, just fucking New England fan. Well, like I mean, I like a lot of like stuff that he does content wise, but I mean, he's just such a fucking. New England. Yeah, I mean, I guess my part, and this goes to the craft father as well, my part about it is you can play the role uh, in a friendship group uh, or as a person as long as you know you're playing the role, right? Like, And I think to a decent degree, like, uh, the craft father kind of understands that he's being a little bit unreasonable when he's being unreasonable, but that's part of his shtick almost, if no. you would. See, I'll, I, I disagree. I, I don't. I honestly don't believe that the craft father thinks that he's being unreasonable. Because <laughs> no, I don't know that he would admit that he's being unreasonable. What I what I well, do think is that deep down, well, he kind of knows. On we, we we should end up like the three of us should have a conversation about this because whenever it is, the Strohs won the World Series. You know, he's sitting there like just talking about like how overrated Altuve is and the, like the whole Astros team. And so <laughs> at, at the time, like, I just remember dismissing him. Like, you sound like a fucking lunatic. Like, just get over it. Like, the Yankees have, like, 27 or 28, like, World Series. Like, You're not going to win every one. But then in light of, like, everything that, like, sort of came out about this cheating scandal – it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe there was validity to like what he was saying. And, sure. And and that sucks to admit, but like he may have actually, you know, because like I wanted that. Well, I like I wanted those Astros teams to win. Like that was a cool story, and you know it, it's fun to see like a team like that win. But now you know, it's just sort of like, well. Shit. No. Uh, well, again, I think one of the things that uh, I don't just getting into sports fan bases, like when you live up on the and I've heard actually a lot of people espouse this, actually, including Bill Simmons, who I like a lot of the content he produces. I agree with you. He plays the kind of Boston, uh, you know, entitled sports fan very well. But I also think that's uh, – it's not necessarily a, a bit, but I think that that's – it's part of the culture of the Northeastern sports fan in that there's nothing else to do. It's cold there five, six months a year, four, whatever. And I think there's – you're going to get a lot more serious sports fans in places where there's a lot less to do, right? Small towns, Northeast – things like that. You don't get hugely serious LA, San Diego, um, even Florida fans, right? Um, because it's kind of like, eh, sports team didn't win, I'm going to the beach, right? It, there's other parts to your life a little bit. And so for me, like, I think that's, that's part of the fun of it. Like, I, I like, I like the craft father because I do think he takes it serious. 
And I think like that's part of his life. His life is like, I can do more push-ups than you. I, you know, my, my Yankees have won 45 times more championships than all of your teams combined. Like that's who he is. But he also knows that kind of like, that's not as important to everyone else. That's part of him. But sure. I think he, he also understands the role within the group. Like I've had a lot of friends who have kind of like, they are caricatures in a way. Like actually one of our favorite, we haven't even talked about this yet, which is surprising. Our favorite, you know, kind of maybe point of uh, connection is the Dan Levitard show. And yeah. Stu Gatz is a caricature, caricature of Stu Gatz, right? He is that guy, but he also knows he's that guy, right? But, but, but he ramps it up. Right. But it's, yeah. that's, that's what I think of when I think of, again, like the podfather, I, I mean, a craft father. Like when I think of him, I think of like, He's leaning into it, right? And, and maybe not always on purpose. Maybe it's just natural. You soak him with a little bit of schmel, and he just fucking goes for it. But, like, again, I think of him as, like, Stugatz knows that he is, like, the immoral, crazy little small guy from Long Island that moved down to Florida and conned his way into a million. I think the craft father knows what he is, but he embraces it, and that's part of who he is. You know, right? I, I, I certainly get that. And, and I think your, your line of thinking has a right to exist. And I, and I would not necessarily argue against that. However, like I'm working with a couple of guys from the New Jersey, New York area now. And after the, the last dance premiered, I asked you know, one of my colleagues, I was like, yeah, did you watch it? He was like, fuck no. I was like, oh, well, why not? And he was like, I fucking hate Jordan. I fucking hate the Bulls. He's like, I, he's like you know, I, I'm a Knicks fan. It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, like, I, mean, I, I get that they were like, you know, the, the, the obstacle uh, in regards to like, you know, those very good Knicks teams winning an NBA title. Um, no, it, it, and again, like it very well could just be like on a, like a subconscious level, like, you know, like playing into that. Um, you know, like I, I, whenever we speak, like we always like sort of like touch up on like sports or whatnot, like, and we've only been working together for a month. And, you know, and, and, and the craft father and like Stu Gotts, you know, are very much in that same sort of vein. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe it's just like a, a different um, sort of mindset. Like, I mean, where, you know, you and I are from like the Midwest and the South and just, you know, that, that part of the country, there's just a different mentality in regards to like how you sort of, you know, you uh, maybe approach irrationally and then ask questions later. I, I, I don't know. No, I, I think there is something to that. Like the difference between, again, where you're from and, and what's important in kind of like who you present as to, to the world as who you are, right? And like the things that you kind of emphasize and just, and again, it's the, 
I think you can be friends. I mean, it's like Dan, right? Dan is like, I'm sorry to cut you off, but but like, you know, when when speaking though about like like irrational sort of behavior that's rooted in sports, I mean, you know, we're we're sitting there like, you know, we're we're talking about the, the craft father and we're talking about other figures that we know from you know, the, the tri-state area or New England. But when you look at it, like, objectively, like, think about, like, fucking what goes on with, like, Alabama and Auburn football and SEC football. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, think about that. Like, like no, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I've never been to a professional game, like, aside from, like, a Yankees game in, in that part of the country. But you think about, like, you know, behavior, like, with SEC fans, and a lot of times, like, SEC fans that didn't fucking go to college. No, know? they didn't ever go to the university that they actually rooted exactly. for. Like, 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 that, like that, that fucking redneck, Harvey Updike, who, you know, literally drove to Auburn, Alabama to poison, you know, these trees of cultural significance. I mean, if, that, if that's possible in Auburn, Alabama. But like, no, yeah, like, and you know, like, I mean, that, like, that's fucking extreme. No, but again, I would say that that goes to like when you go to small town Alabama, right? Like, what is there to to define you, right? Not much. There's not much if you're in small town Mississippi, Alabama. I mean, hell, small town Texas. Like, if you look at West Texas football, like, where they wrote uh, a lot of books about and things like that, like, it's because they are defined by oil and by college, I mean, uh, high school football, right? Yeah. Odessa, Odessa Midland, some of those places. They're, 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 they're great people as well. I've been out there. Um, but like it, in terms of like a social definition, they are defined by that aspect of their life. And it's like, who goes on to do something great in this one particular area of life? And so I, I understand, yeah, that look, su- Southerners when it comes to football can be about as insane in, when it comes to sports as Northeasterners with most sports, right? Um, so I agree with you there. It's not, it's not kind of a, uh, the Northeast doesn't have a, um, monopoly on sports craziness. The South has a fair share of Looney Tunes for sure. Um, I just, I think the people that I like actually including, or that I love even the, the craft father are those people that kind of embrace that, that, um, personality that caricature of themselves it's why i love stugats like uh i i listen to i love levitard and levitard's great and and he's a very smart individual and a good writer but like i listen to that show because stugats is like the most reprehensible person that you could ever possibly meet but he knows it and he embraces it and he loves it and like that's that's great i love a person who kind of understands there's their quirks and like little places in life and just like turns it up to, to as spinal tap would say 11. Right. Um, 
so when you do that, it's just phenomenal. All right, let's let's jump to the last question that I have, which is, give me the the top five, top three, top ten, whatever you want to do. What are the things you haven't been at that you want to do? Your bucket list of sports. I don't know. I, I like. I mean, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I actually have no desire to ever go to the Super Bowl. Really? No, none. Um, I guess like I, uh, I, Champions League final. No, too expensive. Um. All right, so a match at Anfield, that's number one. Okay. Doesn't matter who. I mean, you know, United, Everton, City, Chelsea, Arsenal would be preferable. But, I mean, I j- just a match at Anfield, that, that's number one. Uh, I would really like to go to – uh, the ba- the college basketball tournament in Philadelphia at the Palladium, um, like the, the Philadelphia tournament that's like with Penn, Villanova, and all that. I just, I just want to see a college basketball game there. And shit, is is, is it called the Palladium? I it used to be. I I, okay, I think well, it is. Well, the the most still operate. I I just sort of had a brain fart. Um, I, I, I really want to go to just any sort of NHL game, uh, preferably Blackhawks or Rangers. Um, no golf tournaments. You know, I, I would like to continue going to the World Cup uh, because, I mean, the, the best sporting event that I've ever seen slash like one of the best months of my life was the 2018 World Cup in, in Russia. Um, yeah, right. that, that, that's really you it. No I mean, Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics, like nah. World Series. No, no. No? Um. All right. Is there is there anything like from when it, I actually do have a bucket list and like one of the things that I, I differentiate is sports watching and sports doing right. Yeah. Um, like, is there a thing you'd like to do a sport, a thing like hit a hole in one on a, you know, on a, a golf hole, anything like that that's on your list, like something that you'd like to accomplish. Not necessarily as an athlete. I think I'm definitely out of the realm of what you could consider to be an athlete by far. But, like, um, is there something that you'd like to accomplish then uh, in terms of a sports feat? No. About beating the craft father in, like, a foot race? Well, no, I mean, because I'm slow as fuck and he's fat. <laughs> so that's, that's not possible. Um, you know, ra- racing Mitch in a in like a fifty meter freestyle. No, um, no, <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing in regards to that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, 
I don't know. Yeah. My 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 sports bucket list would be, a, I guess, a heck of a lot bigger. I'd love to go to some of those events. Uh, the I, I agree with you about the World Cup. Going to see, um, I would love to see the U.S. actually do well. Like I would actually like to see U.S. Oh, came in a World Cup. Yeah, well, yeah um, not, not me. I, I'll never support the United States men's national team ever again. Why is that? Uh, because they shit the bed for the 2018 World Cup and didn't even fucking qualify. So, I'm in Mexico. Agreed. Agreed. But I think that's what – I mean, again, that's what sports do. They, they get you hyped up and they just crap well, all like, over like, you. Actually, that is the most angry I've ever been over a sporting event in my life. <laughs> like, losing to Trinidad and Tobago, that, that, that's the most angry that I've ever been. And I'm like, all right. I will. I mean, I, I granted, I've proven that I have no spine and that I'm a, a coward uh, when faced with success. So, um, you know, I, I made a very bold statement like that with the Chiefs, and uh, I did not hold to to that. No, uh, it, it's understandable. That was pretty upsetting, especially considering where the World Cup was and all of that. So, yeah, I can agree with you. Yeah. To to an extent. Um, all right. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us this evening. And uh, it was a good chat. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, hopefully we'll be back this week with another guest or another podcast on my own. And until then, uh, I am the Texan Abroad.